0: Welcome to Family Room Discussions, where I open up my family room so that we can talk about the week's lessons from Come, Follow Me. I am not a church historian or a scripture scholar, far from. I'm just your average Latter-day Saint seeking to grow my faith in Christ and deepen my testimony of the gospel and the scriptures. I have found that one of the best ways to do that is by discussing Come, Follow Me with others. My hope is that you'll join in the gospel dialogue by sharing what you learn with others. Without further ado, let's start this Family Room Discussion. Sisters and brothers, family and friends, this is episode twelve. Following along with God meant it unto good, Genesis chapters forty-two to fifty. Tonight in the in, in the in the uh, recording studio, I've been hearing some weird sounds, and I swear if something something happens to me, I mean you would never hear it because this would never get published. Uh, I'm not a jumpy person by nature. I, I really don't get spooked or anything. Even walking up the basement stairs when uh when all the lights are off, I'm fine. But apparently tonight, being alone in the studio, apparently that's enough. Anyway, this uh, with that introduction, I would also like to further introduce, in the most uh, ADD way possible, that I think this I I was preparing and looking over the lesson and everything uh, the last several days, and. My thoughts just do not follow along with the lesson. I think that's okay. They don't always have to. Sometimes it's nice when, obviously, it does. Typically, they do. Tonight, it does not. So I'm going to preface this by saying, um, in my studies as I was going through and pondering and uh, reading and praying for, for guidance, I got some really cool insights into the Scriptures and the type of insight where it's not just you know, normally I think I'll read probably once a day and find something, not necessarily a gold nugget, I would say, but something that sticks out to me that really helps guide my day. And every so often I'll get this really powerful kind of nugget of wisdom that for whatever reason, I'm in the right time in the right place and reading the right scripture that my heart is able to be touched and it pierces me. And this happened three times this week. Um, It's rare that it happens even once. And it happened three times this week, two in the same day, and and one a day later. Um, and those are what I'm going to share. Now, they might not touch uh, you the same way they touched me, but it did feel like um, the most relevant thing I possibly could share. So maybe you, you, after I share kind of what I got, you're like, that? That's what stuck out to you? But uh, yes, yes, it is, and that's what I want to share. Let's get into the introduction. It had been about 22 years since Joseph was sold into Egypt by his brothers. He had suffered many trials, including being falsely accused and imprisoned. When he finally saw his brothers again, Joseph was the governor of all Egypt. Talk about a glow up. Second only to the only to the Pharaoh, he could easily have taken revenge on them. And considering what they had done to Joseph, that might have seemed that might seem understandable. And yet Joseph forgave his brothers not only that but he helped them to see they he helped them see divine purpose in his suffering god meant it unto good he told them because it put him in a position to save all his father's household from famine in many ways joseph's life parallels that of jesus christ even though our sins caused him great suffering the savior offers forgiveness delivering all of us from a fate far worse than famine whether we need to receive forgiveness or extend it at some point we all need to do both Joseph's example points us to the Savior, the true source of healing and reconciliation. My first thought comes uh, directly from the introduction, and honestly, I think I'm about to talk for, for quite a minute, and it's actually just going to stay. We're not even going to make it into the lesson yet, uh, because that's <laughs> that's how it went. That's how it went this week in my studies. This line, not only that, but he helped them see divine purpose in his suffering. That keeps, it just stuck out to me. It just hit me really hard that it really is, to me it's not the circumstances of our life that define us. Um, it can't be. It can't be the circumstances. We're all born in uh, you know, in dif- different life circumstances. A big kind of phrase in the year 2020 uh, was was privilege, the concept of privilege that, that some people have more privileged lives than others based off varying factors. And I think we definitely, we see that life does not deal the same uh, blessings from one person to the next. I don't know if any of us us disagree with that. And as I was thinking about, you know, God's justice and God's mercy, and also just in general how how he, as the supreme being, the supreme creator, uh, puts us all into different circumstances and then judges us fairly and equally, it just the most blatant truth sticks out to me that it, it's not our circumstances that defines us. It can't be, or else that wouldn't be fair. And I've observed that the, I've observed some extremely hard workers in my lifetime. I've seen people both in my family and my friends and also just being a third party to watching someone's life. They didn't even know I was observing. And I've seen that the people who work hard and who keep faith, uh, whether it's, I mean, true faith has to be faith in God. But so I'll I'll use faith in a different term as as a a belief, a strong belief in themselves and a strong hope that good things will come if they just keep moving forward. Um, And I observe observe that those people with those traits always end up on, they end up on top um, because they are, they continue to persevere. They never give up. And because of that, they are able to achieve and reach whatever goal that they had in mind. And I listen to a lot of podcasts on um, achievement. I, I listen to, well, I read a lot of books as well on success and kind of um, currently right now I'm listening to, and I, I've listened to this before, so I've actually said this uh, probably a year ago or two maybe, but uh, Brian Tracy has this, um, like this audiobook called The Psychology of, it's either success or achievement, I can't remember. Anyway, and it's this old track that you listen to and... Several hours worth of content about how to change your mindset, what the laws to achieve success are, and and kind of things. And I listen to those a lot. I kind of fill my life with those things. It really helps propel me. And and then obviously not only that, but the scriptures and um, general conference talks and everything. I try to just fill my life with as much good as possible uh, every day because I've noticed a difference in my life when I do that. When I the days that I fill my life with good things and positivity and and all of that, and and again, I think as a baseline, I'm not a I'm not an optimistic person. Uh, I I've often felt more comfortable calling myself a realistic or a realist, a realistic person or a realist. And uh, but I I've, I've noticed that as I fill my life with these good positive things, I have more successful days and I feel better. And ironically, the amount of trials or stress in my life does not decrease as I think a lot of people would think they would. Um, in fact, I would probably say that the more I work harder and And try the more stress seems to come into my life. Um, But my ability to cope with it and my faith and my hope in the future certainly increases. In Joseph's story, it's interesting because he could have, you know, it doesn't say this, but I feel like at any point he could have run away. He could have gone home. Um, I mean, he was, you know, running Potiphar's house. Why, Why did he not run back home? Why did he not just like steal some camels and take off and try and go home? And, and maybe he did. I don't know. We, we don't know. That it doesn't say that. Um, he was also running the jail. Now, I don't know if that meant that, you know, he was still, I mean, obviously he was still a prisoner himself, uh, but maybe he was given some keys and he potentially saw sometimes he could break out and run away. Uh, but he didn't. Again, at least the scriptures say he didn't or don't, don't let us know he did. So I assume he did not And I think it's because he understood that his life was about moving forward and not backward. He didn't spend 22 years, as it said, it says 22 years, um, since he'd been sold by his brothers, uh, before he became governor of the land. And he didn't spend those 22 years, uh, upset that God didn't give him what he wanted or what he thought he wanted, right? Just this nice cozy life, uh, where as the prophecy would have been fulfilled that his brothers bowed down to him, his family bowed down to him, he saved them, um, he just moved forward despite adversity, despite trial. He accepted his fate with an eye single to God's glory. And with the hindsight that we have, um, we can look and see what God accomplished with him. You know, we we see the blessings and obviously Joseph's able to tell his brothers and comfort them and let them know that he was able to see God's hand. How did he get there? That's what I want to know. That's the real question. It's not, you know, It's not the what of this story. It's the how. How did he accomplish it? How did he do that? And I believe fully that it's because Joseph did not concern himself with the hows. The how he, uh, you know, the hows. I'm actually reading this book right now called The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success um, by Deepak Chopra. I don't know if I pronounced that name right. But um, this one law I just read, uh, it's it's called The Law of Intention and Desire. And it's pretty much the whole chapter is focused on, getting our desires like correct and figuring out how to use them and and then using the law of intention, which is actually, I mean, I would just compare it to the law of faith, which is action, right? Um, but this interesting thought stuck, stood, stood out to me as I was reading this, that we need to focus strictly on what we want, what we want to accomplish, what we want to achieve, what we want to receive in life, and then live our life with the belief, full belief and full faith. This book isn't, um, like a faith book it actually talks more about like the universe and kind of the cosmos giving you good things but because of me and my faith of course I'm just taking it as my faith in God not the universe um but if we do this and we keep this belief and faith and we move forward uh believing that we will receive the strength from again the universe but for me from God to overcome every obstacle that we meet um that's the trick that's the law it's it's to not focus on the hows the how we get there, the how we, you know, so it's like, I want to be a successful person. And, and then we think, but to be a successful person, I don't want to have to go through trials or adversity. I just want to be able to, in my career, I want to get promoted every year. And with every promotion, every year, I'd like a 10% pay raise every time. And that will happen until I'm 35. And from that point on, then I want to run my own company, like, like on and on, right? I could set all these steps. And if we try and do that, we'll get frustrated every time the little, the smallest adversity gets in our way, the smallest roadblock. I know it because I've seen that in my life, you know. I've had times where I, I was so focused on the how, I didn't even think about the what I really wanted. Um, and I was trying to control the narrative. I wanted to control and be the author of my own life. And so reading this both reading Joseph's story as, as well as reading these seven spiritual laws and coming across that, I was like, that's it. I connected those pieces that Joseph didn't get stuck on the how. He just focused on the the what he wanted, which was to be a disciple of Christ and to be able to be in a place that he could fulfill um, his mission that God gave to him. And then connected with this thought again, I, like I said, this is going to be, I hope you're ready for just this super ADD lesson, but I promise it all comes around, which is, so I came across this this quote this week. Um, it's from a guy named Zuby. I don't I don't know anything about him. I just know from what I read that he's a rapper and that's it. But I like this quote he had shared. Uh, I saw it on social media and I was like, oh, that's, I really like that actually. And so he had said, uh, this is the quote. I'm fairly convinced that if you leveled the playing field and gave everybody $25,000 to start, then within five years, most of the people who are currently rich would be rich again. And those who are currently broke would be broke again. Not all but most and that again stuck with me because how many people do you know could go through what Joseph went through in his story Uh, being, you know, sold uh, as a slave in Egypt by his own brothers and then uh, turning that around and and being kind of the master of the house for all that Potiphar had and then uh, being cast into prison because of false accusations and then working really hard and, I mean, pretty much helping the the jailer to run the prison and then putting yourself in a position where then the pharaoh brings you out, has you interpret his dreams, and you become number two to the most powerful person in the land. How many people do you know that could do that? Because the people that I'm thinking of right now who I believe could do that have exactly what the the traits that I've exactly defined. Hard work perseverance, uh, endless amount of faith, faith, whether it be in God, uh, which, which, like we know, faith has to be in God or else it's not actually faith. It's just a strong belief and desire. But, um, the way I'm using this word, again, I'm just going to interpret it that faith, meaning the action to move forward, the action to accomplish what you want uh, to achieve. I don't know of any person that I think could do exactly what Joseph did, who's lazy who uh, gets depressed every time bad things come up, or every roadblock in their life. They just, that's why I, when I came across that quote, I was like, I think that's exactly right. It's not the what. It's not our starting place. It's not, oh, good things happen to some people, and, and that's why they're blessed. At the end of the day, it's the quality of character and the attributes, the traits that you're developing. Those are what make the difference. Um, that's what I believe. And that's what I believe that the scriptures teach us constantly. I think that's what we're learning from Joseph's story. Because otherwise, then if you are, if you have just all the worst things happen to you and believe that because of that, you'll never be able to get anywhere, then how the heck are you supposed to return to live with Heavenly Father again? Because to me, that sounds like a rigged game that's not fair at all. And so it's trying to figure out then, if it's not about the where we start, if it's not about the the what what blessings we receive or don't receive, then what is this life about? And to me, it's about developing these traits despite adversity, despite challenges, and recognizing that everyone goes through challenges and conflict no matter what. So it's how we respond to those. That's what I believe. Um, then the last thing is, is uh, it says here at this last, so now we're back into the introduction. Like I said, ADD, but we're gonna come bring it back around. Um is that it says at some point we all need to do both. Speaking of whether we receive forgiveness or extend it. And I, I just love that because it's true. I've seen in my life, obviously, times where I need to extend forgiveness, um, but then also times where I need to be seeking the forgiveness. Probably more often than not, I'm seeking forgiveness than I am extending it. Both times offer their own different set of challenges. Uh, so... The, there's four sections to this, and I'm not really going to talk about any single one. Um, all are great. The first section is God sent me before you to preserve you. And that kind of talks about how Joseph Smith is, you know, how we can use the story of Joseph Smith to help us understand the story of Christ and Christ's life. There's forgiveness brings healings. And I will probably touch on that more than any of these sections. Um, but that as a statement itself, I believe with I believe 100%. And then what does the symbolism in Jacob's blessings mean? Won't talk, talk about that at all. However, if you have any questions on that, then I definitely recommend checking this section out. And finally, a, a seer shall the Lord my God raise up. I think that's super cool section as far as how that applies to kind of what Joseph saw about modern times in our days. But with all of that, Here's the remaining ADD part of of what I got from this lesson. So, um, this heading, God sent me before you to preserve you, is what I want to talk about. Not the actual section itself. But Joseph explains that, right? God sent it before. Well, I had a question, and this is what I was thinking about in this lesson, which is, why did Jacob not receive revelation about the coming famine? I mean, he was the prophet, right? And... I kind of was pondering that question and, th- and thinking it over, like trying to answer it myself of why. And, and I don't know if this is, this is it, but here's kind of some of my ponderings on it, which maybe the lesson that we can learn, or at least one of the lessons we can learn from this, is that we need to trust in our own lives that God gives us the information we need for our own good and that he withholds certain information from us also for our own good. Sometimes we are the Joseph in the story. Sometimes we are the ones that are receiving the information necessary to help and serve other people, whether, you know, maybe you receive special information uh, about the the families you minister to and you happen to be able to reach out to them and, and bless their lives that way. Or maybe your own family, right? Maybe you have siblings who a thought occurs to you, the spirit prompts you in some way and you are able to bless their lives. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of situations where that could happen. Or obviously for, again, your own life. But then sometimes we might be Jacob in this instance, and we need to just rely on the Lord to protect us and our families and uh, believing that we will receive the help that we need, either directly from God or from other people who God has helped, blessed, and instructed how to help us. In both of these scenarios, in both of these cases, it requires faith in God. No matter which scenario we're kind of living, we have to have faith and we have to believe uh, fully that that God is in charge, and we have to trust Him. And we can't get frustrated because we want to be Joseph and we're not in this scenario, or or we want, we would prefer to be Jacob, and and then we're we're Joseph in the scenario. And so, ultimately, at the end of the day, the thing I was taking away from is that. Both Joseph and Jacob required immense faith to protect themselves and their families from this famine that was this, you know, exterior thing that that, uh, only God could have prepared them for. So that's just one thought. Now, switching to another ADD thought. Uh, This is on the piece of forgiveness in uh, chapter 42, verses 21 to 24, it says, and they said one to another, we are verily guilty concerning our brother, in that we saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us, and he, we would not hear. Therefore is this distress come upon us. And Reuben answered them, saying, Spake I not unto you, saying, Do not sin against the child, and you would not hear? Therefore behold, also his blood is required. And they knew not that Joseph understood them, for he spake unto them by an interpreter. And he turned himself about from them and wept, and returned them again and communed with them, and took from them Simeon and bound him before their eyes. So this is where they're talking in front of Joseph. They think that he he doesn't speak their language. Uh, again, because he's using an interpreter, but they're literally talking in front of him about what they did to him. After all these years, 22 years, uh, Joseph didn't, I don't I don't think, at least, there's no context given in the scriptures. Joseph didn't know that Reuben tried to um, protect him and defend him and save him, right? But how difficult would it be in, in this moment to be Joseph where you're literally hearing the story from the mouth of the people who betrayed you and hurt you and they are speaking openly cuz they they don't think that you can understand them but you're and also they don't know that you're alive but you're you're hearing this man that would just be i just no wonder that joseph wept i can't ima- imagine the uh the difficulties there so that i just that stuck out that i was like wow yeah, that would be really hard. That would be really difficult, especially if I, you know, <laughs> wanted to to be in a good spot to be able to forgive. That would be that would be tremendously tough. Um, jumping to another ADD thought. These are kind of two back-to-back ones that are, these were just little small, small things. But in chapter 44, verse 5, it says, "'Is not this thing in which my Lord drinketh, and whereby indeed he divineth? Ye have done evil in so doing.'" This is, uh, speaking of that, they've left, so they've been, uh, they've, they've brought Benjamin back, they all hung out with Joseph, and he treated them in his household and stuff, and then they're able to buy the grain, they take it away, they're going back, and, uh, Joseph had snuck his cup into one of their bags, or had his, one of his servants do it, and, um, anyway, they go, right, and then they, they capture him, they bring the family, these, uh, these brothers back and they're before him. And he's like, you know, you thought I wouldn't know. You didn't think I could divine this. And, um, this is just kind of a weird thought. It doesn't really apply again to anything other than there is a lot of deceit in this family. I mean, like Joseph, obviously deceiving them here, uh, or planning to deceive them because that technically he, he does this in verse four, 15, which, uh, well, I'll cover that right now. It says, and Joseph said unto them, what deed is this that ye have done? What what ye not that such a man as I can certainly divine? Um, so that's, so verse five is when they, he tells them what to do. And then verse f- 15 is him confronting them. But <laughs> it's just like, you have Joseph who's deceived him this way. Jacob, as we've already covered, did several things that were kind of deceitful. Uh, it, it it just kind of like, is weird that it like, there's like these stories of deceit from Jacob and Laban and uh, Rebecca and, and now Joseph, right? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. There's something that sticks out to me. But there's other, I wonder if um, Joseph learned that whole trick. The Because, uh, you know, he, he obviously plants the cup. It was part of his plan all along. He plants it, but then when they're before him, he's like, did you really think that I couldn't divine this? Like, me? Do you know who I am? And I wonder if he learned that trick from the uh, the magicians of Egypt uh, because that was kind of the tricks they played, right? It wasn't really using faith in God or any divine actual gifts. It was kind of using deception and, and whatnot. So I wonder if Joseph had picked that up from kind of the magicians. He's like, I would never use this. Oh my goodness, it's an opportunity to use this. Kind of like a cool sleight of hand trick. I don't know. So now, finally, this actual last thought, which hopefully is a gem to you. It was a gem to me. But it's in chapter 48, verse 19. It says, and his father refused and said. And so uh, let's jump forward in the story where everything good has happened. Um, they figured it out. He's forgiven them. He's told said, hey, I'm going to go talk to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh's like, bring your whole family. Have a move here. Absolutely. So all these good things happen. And uh, Jacob is about to die. He's about to go down to his grave. and He wants to bless his children and his grandchildren before he dies. So he's blessing uh, Joseph's sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And something interesting happens here. So now back to the verse. And his father refused and said, I know it, my son, I know it. He also shall become a people and he also shall be great. But truly his younger brother shall be greater than he and his seed shall become a multitude of nations. And um, so this is the story, obviously, where he, Jacob switches his hands. He, uh, he gives the, the greater blessing to Ephraim. And not to Manasseh, even though Manasseh was older. And uh, Joseph was like, "No, no, no, Dad. Whoa, you're probably confused here. You're an old man. Let's switch. Let's switch those hands back." And that's what Joseph, Jacob's like. No, 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 I know what I'm doing. And which again, there's kind of this. I won't. I don't want to talk about this too much. I just think it's interesting. It's this cool parallel where Isaac, Jacob's dad, when he went to you know give the blessings to Jacob, or Isaac is blind and stuff, and Rebecca and Jacob trick. Um, Isaac to give Jacob the greater blessing instead of Esau and all that. Uh, it's just interesting that now it's Jacob's turn and Jacob is like knowingly switching the blessing. It, it, there's, like I said, it's interesting to me. But the deeper thought that stuck out is that there's a history in this family and, and honestly just throughout all the script, not even just just this family of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, just and Joseph by extension, but... Um, just in all the scriptures, where we can find constant examples of uh, God going against this, like, you know, air quotes, standard that seems to exist. In this instance, it's, you know, the oldest gets the better blessing or whatever it is. Uh, but I, I, Abraham, right, he didn't come from a goodly parental line. His, I mean, his, his dad pretty much gave him off to be killed. By the priests, right? So he, Abraham didn't come from this incredible, powerful, spiritual uh, heritage family or anything like that. And yet he grew to be the great prophet and patriarch that is going to be constantly talked about throughout the Old Testament and New Testament. Um, Isaac wasn't the firstborn of Abraham. He was obviously of Abraham and Sarah, but not of Abraham. And his birth shouldn't have even been possible by worldly wisdom because of uh, Sarah's age and everything. And yet he became the heir to Abraham and Sarah. Um, goes against all wisdom, should have happened, right? Sarah herself kind of laughs, not in a mocking way, could never happen, but more of like a, would God really bless me with that? Um, Jacob is not the firstborn, and yet he receives the birthright, right? He, he gets it because Esau sells it for some really delicious stew. Um, but it shouldn't have been his because he wasn't born first. And Joseph isn't the oldest brother. Reuben was. Uh, actually, Joseph not even the oldest brother by a long shot because of the amount of children that Leah was able to bust out. Um, and his rise in Egypt should not have been possible. And yet he, he lives to be able to see God's prophecies fulfilled where he saves his family. And then with his own sons, like I've said, Ephraim's the younger brother, and he receives this greater blessing from Jacob. And so, to me, I guess what stuck out was the fact that the scriptures are full of patterns, but they're also full of firsts, full of first times, all the way down from, from beginning to now, to modern-day scripture, full of firsts. And I just, what sticks out, and what I want to share with you, what I hope that you have a testimony of or, or come to gain a testimony of, is that just because something hasn't been done, just because you never read a scripture about a person like you being able to receive all that God has, or at least you don't think you have. Just because you might feel like this this great sinner, or that there's no hope, or that you don't have the same personality traits of uh, Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob, or Joseph, that, you know... Sometimes you feel more like Alma the Younger before his transformation and that you never think you will have a transformation. Maybe you feel like you're Saul before Saul's transformation. I could use countless examples, obviously. Maybe you don't feel like you could ever relate to a young Joseph Smith receiving a vision at 14 years old. Maybe you think that because you haven't received a vision at 14 years old that you'll never get one. I don't know what it is. I don't know what you compare yourself to in the scriptures. I don't know. I I couldn't even go through all the things to be able to cover everyone listening right now. But you know, and I want you to know that... Just because it hasn't been, the story hasn't been told yet, doesn't mean that God can't do miraculous things in your life. You are getting to tell and live your story now, and it's allowed to be full of first times. You get to be the first time person after five thousand years, six thousand years, wherever we're at. You get to be the first person doing it and living it. And if you have faith and you truly believe and have, uh, you let God do those miracles in your life, I promise you that you will get to tell your own scriptural story, so to speak, one that you can be able to share with your family, your friends, and your loved ones, and that will live throughout the eternities. But only if you let it, only if you actually let God, um, come in and author your life. And, and this was, you know, a talk, a talk back in, in conference, actually. So what I would recommend and what I'm recommending for myself as I'm trying to work on this and have full faith in this as well is to quit focusing on the hows. Quit focusing on the hows of your past and of your future. Instead, focus on faith that will move you forward back into God's presence. And I'm going to leave you with this question. How are you going to let God author your story. Thanks for joining my family room discussion, and until we meet again, have a blessed week.